0: Hello and welcome to episode 558 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this evening. My name is Terence M. Stanton. We are recording on Sunday, June 11th, 2023, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today is the 100th anniversary of the birth of my grandfather, Remigius Martin Stanton, a World War II veteran who was... Wounded at the Battle of the Bulge, may he rest in peace. Let's take a look at the Sunday Prayer to the Most Blessed Virgin Mary to obtain the forgiveness of our sins by St. Alphonsus Liguri. Behold, O Mother of God, at thy feet a miserable sinner, a slave of hell, who has recourse to thee and trusts in thee. I do not deserve that thou shouldest even look at me, but I know that thou... Having seen thy son die for the salvation of sinners, hast the greatest desire to help them. I hear all call thee the refuge of sinners, the hope of those who are in despair and the help of the abandoned. Thou art then my refuge, my hope, and my help. Thou hast to save me by thy intercession. Help me, for the love of Jesus Christ. Extend thy hand to a miserable creature who has fallen and recommends himself to thee. I know that thy pleasure is to help a sinner to thy utmost. Help me, therefore. Now that thou canst do so, by my sins I have lost divine grace and with it my soul. I now place myself in thy hands. Tell me what I must do to recover the favor of my Lord and I will immediately do it. He sends me to thee that thou mayest help me and he wills that I should have recourse to thy mercy, that not only the merits of thy son, but also that thy intercession may help me to save my soul. To thee then I have recourse. Do thou who prayest for so many others pray also to Jesus for me. Ask him to pardon me, and he will forgive me. Tell him that thou desirest my salvation, and he will save me. Show how thou canst enrich those who trust in thee. Amen. Thus I hope, thus may it be. May all the words that I speak be so many arrows dipped in the blood of thy sacred heart, O Jesus, to pierce the hearts of all who hear them with love for thee. Amen. And in this month of June, dedicated to the sacred heart of our Lord Jesus Christ, from the Sacred Heart book by Father F.X. LaSance, for the 11th day of June, never preserve any coldness of feeling towards your neighbor or the heart of Jesus will feel the same towards you. Take care that your tongue, over which he so often passes into your heart, may not be sullied by any raillery, complaint, or finding fault, so as to wound charity. When you take, Pleasure in recalling the remembrance of the affronts you think you have received, you induce our Lord to recall to His remembrance your sins that His mercy had made Him forget. That quote by St. Margaret Mary Alacoque. Holy Face of Jesus of the Veil vale of Veronica, prayers. Dear Lord, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer these prayers in reparation for the sins which most offend God in our times. Blasphemy, the profanation of Sunday and Holy Days, and Communism. Pater Noster, quias in celi, sanctificator nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in cello et in terra, panam nostrum quotidianum de nobis hodie et dimita nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitibus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos a amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, dominus tecum, benedicta tuum miliaribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora nobis peccatoribus, nunc et enora mortis nostrae. Amen. Gloria Patri, et Filio, et Spiritui Sancto, sicut erat in principio, et nunc et semper, et in saecula saeculorum, Amen. The Golden Arrow Prayer. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, Most mysterious and unutterable name of God, be praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and in the hells, by all God's creatures, and by the sacred heart of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. For the defeat of communists, Freemasons, and all revolutionary men. (sighs) Excuse me. Eternal Father, I offer thee the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and all the instruments of his holy passion, that thou mayest put division in the camp of thy enemies. For as thy beloved Son hath said, a kingdom divided against itself shall fall. Eternal Father, we offer thee the holy face of Jesus, covered with blood, sweat, dust, and spittle, and reparation for the crimes of communists, blasphemers, and for the profaners of the holy name and of the holy day of Sunday. Amen. God of goodness and Father of mercies, we beseech thee through the immaculate heart of Mary and by the intercession of the patriarchs and holy apostles to look with compassion upon the remnant of Israel so that they may come to a knowledge of our only Savior Jesus Christ and share in the precious graces of redemption. Amen. Today, friends, we are taking a look at Corpus Christi Gut Check. That is the title of the article expounding upon the Readings for today at one Peter five dot com by Father John Zulsdorf, Father Z begins by saying For this Sunday, in many places, even using the Witus Ordo of the Roman Rite, there is an external celebration of the feast of Corpus Christi, which was properly last Thursday, that day of the week being a special moment to honor the Eucharist and its institution at the Last Supper. In twelve forty six Robert of Thore Bishop of Liege, Belgium, had instituted in his diocese the feast now known as Corpus Christi at the request of an Augustinian nun, Juliana of Cornelon, who composed an office for it. In 1264, Pope Urban IV ordered the Feast of the Body of Christ to be celebrated as a Holy Day of Obligation for the Universal Church on the Thursday after Trinity Sunday and accepted the lyrically genius text by the angelic doctor, St. Thomas Aquinas, for the Mass and office. That's the historical context. How about a liturgical context? Remember, we are our rites. What we celebrate both reflects who we are and shapes who we are simultaneously. If Holy Thursday of the Triduum is also shot through with the ominous passion to come, Christ's agony starting that very moment with the stripping of the altar after mass, then Corpus Christi allows us on another Thursday to bask in the sheer joy of so great a gift, the source and goal, fons et culmen of Christian identity, the Eucharist. Our devotion is too much to bear, keeping within the thin walls of our churches. And so we take our Eucharistic Lord into the streets in joyful, demonstrative processions to give glory and thanks to God in the sight of all our neighbors. There's something wrong when Catholics don't take Christ into the streets as well as beloved relics and statues of Our Lady and the Saints. That something wrong can come from outside the church, from persecution. It can also come from within the church. For example, when our leaders, once shepherds, get their priorities scrambled and begin giving logical priority to things like process and dialogue and even works of mercy, as good and as important as those things can be. They have their place, but for them to be pr- fruitful and Catholic in the deeper sense, they must have their origin in and direction back to the Fonz at Coleman, the source and summit, which is the Eucharist itself in the sacramental species, as well as in its celebration, which is Holy Mass. We are our rights. Therefore, we have to have our priorities straight, logically, even though their ends may chronologically overlay each other. Identity checks are in order. For our joy to be true joy, it must be genuine. Our rites and processions and devotions should spring from something real. Otherwise, they are sounding brass, a pointless gong, hardly more than the gong show of old. See 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. Let's see the epistle for Corpus Christi in the Revised Standard Version. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. And the next verse not included in the reading for Mass. This is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. By its well-known proximity, this verse ought to ring in our ears in the silence that immediately ensues after, reading, after the reading of the epistle. Greek, krema, judgment, as in the decision of a court, condemnation, damnation. Get your head around this. This is life or death stuff, not a cookie and a pat on the head. This isn't, I want mine or I'll feel excluded. For so many people, I fear, because of the way Mass has been celebrated, how priests have behaved in handling the Eucharist, because of communion in the hand and the overall dumbing down of our sacred liturgical worship, the very architecture that should exalt rather than reduce us to a human experience tantamount to entering a municipal airport, so many understand communion as the moment when they put the white thing in my hand and then we sing a song and I feel included. As Blessed Ildefonso Schuster puts it, pay special attention to the last part. The lesson is from the first epistle of St. Paul to the Corinthians, 11 verses 23 through 29, containing the narrative of the institution of the Eucharist and warns us of the heavy penalties to which those expose themselves who receive the Blessed Sacrament unworthily. Experience teaches us that whilst nothing is of greater benefit to the soul than frequent communions received with proper dispositions, so nothing exposes a man more to increased hardness of heart and final separation from God than sacrilegious communions, especially when they form a long chain of repeated profanations. St. Paul, in order to make clear to us the horror of so doing, says that such a man eateth and drinketh his own condemnation, And by this, he wished to point out that as food is changed into the substance of him who eats it, so the profaner of the Holy Eucharist is so filled and pervaded by the malediction of God that in a manner, it penetrates his bones and marrow and flows through all his veins. What about a church wherein, I think we have to say it, the vast majority of people who receive communion on Sundays in churches across the globe are indeed not discerning, and who are not in the state of grace. Would that sort of body be sick and even moribund? Moribund, someone in terminal decline. The reading has its own context. St. Paul wrote this to the Church of Corinth over which he had authority. He is writing less than 30 years after the Eucharist was instituted by Christ. Paul had learned of terrible abuses during the most important thing the Christians did together, their agape meal preceding their celebration of the Eucharist. I must condense this for the sake of space and your patience. In Corinth, the early Christians had a wonderful representation of the Last Supper that was a meal and as St. John Chrysostom wrote, an occasion for charity, a means of alleviating poverty and of making wealth wiser, a grand spectacle of edification and a school of humility. However, perhaps under the influence of pagan customs stemming from various fraternal associations, abuses arose, factions developed, different groups would bring their own provisions and not share with others, some drank to excess. The result was the reduction of the agape meal into, as the great Jesuit Pauline scholar Fernand Pratt describes, a vulgar picnic. As I write, I am struck by the image of structures more like picnic tables in churches, set up at times in front of beautiful and artistically superior main altars, which were and remain the visual focal point of the space's design. And there are examples of vulgarities perpetrated around them as well. But I digress. Paul wrote to the Corinthians to check their abuses, to remind them that their banquets were not primarily meals in the sense of satisfying physical hunger. They were to foster unity and charity as a preparation for the Eucharist the abuses of the one being profanation of the other. Utbrevis, let's underscore a key point in Paul's corrections, understanding that Paul connects even physical death with its violation. Before receiving the Eucharist, we must examine ourselves. Greek, dokamezo, or test, scrutinize, see if a thing is genuine or not, as in the testing of metal. In a state of unworthiness to receive communion is to may diacrinon tuocuro soma not discern the Lord's body. The Lord's body here can be taken a couple ways. There is the obvious way, of course, the Eucharist is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. The body is also the body of believers who belong to the Lord's mystical person, as John Paul II wrote. Someone might be tempted to say, well, maybe senator, president, speaker, whatever, Joe Bag of Donuts goes to communion unworthily. He's only hurting himself. No, unworthy communions hurt all of us who are members of the body of Christ. Gee whiz, I started out with joy and here I am, fulminating. Also, I'm well over the amount I wanted to write this week, so I'll be blunt to wrap this up. How about gut check context? If you know you are not in the state of grace and you are receiving communion, knock it off. You are tearing at the fabric of body from within. Examine yourself, prove, test, discern. Ask yourself if you are the real deal in being a Catholic, a member of a church with a body, members who need you. Don't make excuses. This is life or death stuff. We need you. If you are reasonably sure that you are well-disposed to receive Holy Communion, then joy, a lovely archaic term of endearment, which both reflects and shapes the one who receives it, you are joy to us all. As the psalmist sang, thou hast put more joy in my heart than have their grain and wine abound. You build us up. When you are joyful, it spills out of the thin walls of your heart to flood into the lives of others. We can increase that joy by a true renewal of our Fons at Coleman, how it is celebrated, how it is received. And so ends Father Z's entry for this week. What a great gift we have, my friends, the inexpressible gift of receiving our Lord Jesus Christ in his body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. But we must only do it if we are in a state of grace. If you are conscious of being in a state of mortal sin, never, ever receive our Lord in the most blessed sacrament because that is the further sin of sacrilege. Not making a judgment here on anyone personally. The man speaking into this microphone is a weak, miserable sinner. But you have to go to confession first. And I love you enough to tell you that. I've been in a situation before when I was teaching at a Catholic high school where a priest, in giving him the benefit of the doubt, gave, gave the students gravely erroneous advice. I'll call it that. Gravely erroneous advice on receiving the Eucharist. He intimated, in effect, that they could go to confession later after they received our Lord in the Eucharist. Absolutely not. And I had to correct him to my students afterwards. If you're conscious of being in mortal sin, never receive our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, ever. Go to confession first. And then as Father Father Z says, you can joyfully receive him. But not having a mortal sin on your soul of not being guilty. You can receive him in a clean, clear conscience. Because as it says in the scriptures, we drink judgment on ourselves. If we see receive our Lord in the most blessed sacrament unworthily, this is as serious as it gets folks. And as beautiful as it gets. We have a God who loves us so much that he wants to be one with us in the most intimate way possible. Coming into our bodies, we consume him in the most blessed sacrament. What an unbelievable, unthinkable, unimaginable gift. Words cannot convey What a tremendous blessing it is to receive our Eucharistic Lord. So if you've been away from the sacraments, if you're a Catholic and you haven't been to Mass in six months or six years or 16 years, come on back. Go to confession. Attend the traditional Latin Mass or Divine Liturgy. Welcome home. Come back to the one true faith. Catholicism is the one true religion. Don't believe all the nonsense you see on TV. Don't believe the bumper stickers that say coexist and have these different symbols from different religions. And yeah, of course, as Catholics, we're, it's not like we're wearing that we're number one foam finger and we think we're better than everyone else. Or at least we shouldn't act that way. But all religions are not equal. Jesus started a church, one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Islam is a false religion. Protestantism is a heresy. The Orthodox churches are in schism. Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses are cult members. Sorry to say it, but it's true. I've known Plenty of nice folks, they come to the door, They're, they hang out at the beach, passing out literature, want to save your soul, God bless them. They're in the wrong faith. There's only one true religion and that's Catholicism. So if you've been away, come back. If you're not Catholic, convert. Can you imagine what the world would be like if everyone was a practicing Catholic? Can you imagine what a joy-filled, peaceful society we would have? People are angry. People are anxious. People are depressed. And yes, I understand many people have genuine mental health issues. But those issues are exacerbated by sin. That's the number one reason why people are really miserable. They're committing sins and they don't know how to stop. Well, you need God. I need God. Everyone needs God. And we need the grace that comes from the sacraments, in particular, the sacrament of penance and the sacrament of the Eucharist. So if you're not Catholic, convert. If you're a Catholic who's been away from the faith, come on home. Now is the time. You've seen the insanity in the world. What's the world offering us? Complete madness come on home to the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And I understand, you know, a particular bishop or priest or maybe several bishops, priests, laymen, like yours truly, have not done the greatest job in presenting the faith. In some ways, we've been downright scandalous and shame on us for doing that. But Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And just because there are people in the church like me who are weak, miserable sinners, it doesn't mean that you should stay away from the church that Jesus started and the church that he wants you to be a part of, the church that he died for. So come on home. And let's conclude, my friends, by mentioning helping autism through learning and outreach available on the web at halo aorg That's h-a-l-o-s-o-m-a.org. And also episodes 277 and 548 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast, where I interview and a gentleman from Word on Fire interviews my wonderful sister and my equally wonderful niece about RPM. What is RPM, you might say. Glad you asked. It's an acronym for Rapid Prompting Method, which is a system of communication for non-speakers. Before my niece was eight, we didn't even know her favorite color. Now we know that she is a comprehensive genius. I do not use the phrase lightly. She's a gifted musical composer, a brilliant musical composer. She's working on an oratorio right now. We would not have known any of that were it not for RPM. She's skilled at mathematics. She knows other languages. You can think how distraught, discouraged, those words don't even begin to describe how you might feel if you're unable to communicate. Communication is a human right. There are so many souls who are trapped in prisons of silence. RPM is unlocking them by God's grace. So get the word out there, spread the website, spread those episodes of Our Lady's podcast far and wide. We need to help our silent friends break out of their prisons of silence. And let's pray now for help and for healing for our non-speaking friends and family members as we ask for the intercession of St. Raphael, the Archangel, St. Joseph, Our Lady, and all the angels and saints, almighty and eternal God, healer of those who trust in you, through the intercession of St. Raphael Archangel, hear my prayer for non-speakers and their families. In your tender mercy, restore them to spiritual and bodily health, that they may give you thanks, praise your name, and proclaim your wondrous love to all. I ask this through Christ your Son, our Lord. Amen. The Memoraria to St. Joseph Remember, O most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto you, my spiritual Father, and beg your protection. O foster father of the Redeemer, despise not my petitions, but in your goodness, hear and answer me. Amen. The three Hail Marys in honor of the Immaculate Purity of Our Lady of Fatima. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui Jesus. Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora pronobis peccatoribus, nunc etinor mortis nostrae Amen. Ave Maria gratia plena, Dominus tecum, Benedicta tu mulieribus e benedictus fructus bentris tui Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei ora nobis peccatoribus nunc et mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria gratia plena, Dominus tecum, Benedicta tu mulieribus e benedictus fructus bentris tui Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei ora nobis peccatoribus nunc et mortis nostrae. Amen and a Gloria Patri for a special intention. Gloria Patri, et Filio, et Spiritui Sancto, sicut erat in Principio, et nunc et semper et in segula saeculorum. Amen. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love thee. I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love thee. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love Thee. I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love Thee. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love Thee. I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love Thee. Virgo Potens, or Sancti Joseph, Terra or pronobis, Sancta Raphael archangeli Orapernobis, in nomine Patris et phili, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Thank you very kindly, my friends, for tuning in to episode 558 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. In your charity, please share Our Lady's podcast with everyone you know. Follow us on Twitter. The handle is at Podcast. If you think Our Lady's podcast is worthy of it, please give us a five-star rating and review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this, but most importantly, offer up prayers and sacrifices for our Catholic bishops. Goodbye, and God love you.